Hi, I'm Allison Hess. And I'm Marta McDonald. Welcome to the Thousand Islands Playhouse Podcast. Dive in with us as we talk to the artists of the 2023 season and get a behind-the-scenes peek at the seven fantastic shows happening this summer. Don't forget to tune in to give your ears a front-row seat. See you you at the theater. Welcome back to the 2023 season of the Playhouse Podcast. We're recording today on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabek peoples. We are in the My FM studio, which looks out onto the St. Lawrence River. My name is Allison Hess. And I am Marta McDonald. Thank you for joining us for our fourth episode of the 2023 season. In today's episode, we are talking about a musical that will have you bopping in your seat. And singing along, too. It's Bitter Girl, the musical. Wow. Bitter Girl is a jukebox musical that charts the romantic breakups of three women and the lively antics that ensue. Featuring 60s and 70s girl group music like Be My Baby and Then He Kissed Me, Ain't No Mountain High Enough and Where Did Our Love Go? The show's soundtrack provides the perfect backdrop for their journey to happiness. Who knew getting dumped? could be so much fun you sounded like you were on one of those um like scrolling cd commercials for like the top hits of the 60s where they would like scroll past the screen and be like this one and also this one and order also now this one. <laughs> order now and get a free pen yeah <laughs> and we are extremely lucky today to have the stage manager for bitter girl cat chin here with us um calling us into the studio from toronto thank you for joining us cat and for thank thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us Hello. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's, of course. Really exciting. Mm-hmm. Of course. So we always like to start it off so that our audience, our podcast audience can get to know you a bit better by talking a bit about things that you've done. Uh, you can also read this in the program when you come and see Bitter Girl. Uh, but it is your first uh, time with the Playhouse, your debut show. Uh, but you just worked on Kelly versus Kelly with Musical Stage Company. And you've done opera and musicals and plays, uh, including Kim's Convenience as well. Uh, with the uh, Soul Pepper as well as the tour and, and off Broadway for August Osage County. That's great. Um, and we are so happy that you are taking the time to join us. And I think our audience will learn why it is such a special thing to be able to have you here with us. Um, because, as we know, stage managers are very busy people. We know that, but does our audience know that, Allison? I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I do talk to people sometimes and they go, oh, a stage manager. That's nice. What, what does a stage manager do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought first off the bat, Cat, uh, maybe tell us off the, our, bat, cat. off the bat, Cat. Tell us a little bit about um, what a stage manager does. Be, stage manager does because yeah, um, uh, it is one of the most important roles in theater. Um, but I think you, you, if you do your job well, <laughs> you kind of uh, are are like invisible behind the scenes and everything flows so smoothly and they don't even know what's happening. So could you tell us a bit about that and some of the things that a stage manager does? Sure. Um, you're absolutely right when you say that uh, when we do our jobs correctly, no one notices. Um, generally, if if people are complaining about a stage manager, it means they're not doing things right. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, as a stage manager, what I do a lot of the time is just um, I'm uh, facilitating communication on a show. Um, I'm making sure everyone has all the information they need from designers to the technical staff to the um, the uh, cast. Everyone in the room has all of the information they need. I relay information to the shop, to the wardrobe, to from the director to whoever needs to go. You know, I make sure everybody is on the same page. Um, 
And then on top of that, I'm running rehearsals, making sure that people are where they need to be, that the director's vision is being upheld and being realized, um, making sure the cast has what they need, that they're getting the information they need, that they're getting the rehearsal time they need. So a lot of that um, comes from scheduling as well. So I'm scheduling rehearsals, I'm scheduling fittings, I'm scheduling coaching, whatever it is that needs to happen to uh, make the show a really great one. Um, and then during tech, helping to schedule tech to make sure we have enough time on stage mm-hmm. to rehearse with all of the technical elements, with the actual set pieces, um, with the lights, with the sound, that sort of thing. And then once we get into show run, I am uh, calling the show. So with the help of an assistant stage manager who will uh, be in charge of the actual stage itself and backstage area. So then, uh, you know, I hand over a lot of um, responsibility to them. Um, I'm the one calling the show, so I'm making sure that all the lighting cues, all the sound cues, if there are fly cues, if there's pyre, all that sort of stuff, automation, I'm making sure all of that happens when it's supposed to happen. Um, and so I'm in constant communication with all of the operators for those positions. Yeah. And that's, you're, that's a just a couple things. Just a, a just a few things, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was yeah. it was funny. I was speaking to someone who has come to a lot of theater and and but but you know kind of hadn't explored what how, how we make theater the backstage of it. And when we were talking about um, the calling of the show, so going through the mm-hmm. script and calling all the lighting and sound cues and all the other things, they were like, "Oh, I just thought it was automatic." And you're like, "No, it's a it's a person doing mm-hmm. it in real yeah. time," um, which I think blows people away because, as you said, when it runs seamlessly. It it does feel like it's almost like a machine, right? Where it just goes and it yeah. just works. Well, it's live. It's For moving. Sure. Like you have to, you have to work with what is happening on the stage. And if something goes amiss or you have to sort of think on your feet and move with the show rather than like if you were, if it was automated, the steam train would keep going and like yeah. you would go into blackout and maybe it wasn't ready to be in blackout yet. So totally. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, like troubleshooting and problem solving that, has to happen not has to because god forbid you have to do that but Mm -hmm. but that can happen and yeah you don't i don't think you would trust a robot to do that no no and it's funny (laughs) because i think people don't really think about um uh, at in a mid-sized company like ours, there mm-hmm. isn't like massive resources for an IATSE crew or like a, any kind of running crew. So like the stage management team of two or three, depending on the size of the show, is it like they're kind yeah. of it with the support of our production team, obviously. But like, for example, with Sound of Music, if you were watching um, the actors were the ones um like the ensemble were the ones moving set pieces because mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the assistant stage manager can only do so much backstage and they're um, handling stage left and, and stage right sometimes, or they're handling just one side and there's an apprentice also. Um, uh, Kat, can you explain a little bit about how you get into something like stage management? Like where, where did you, where did you find that that was something you wanted to do? Yeah. So um, I actually fell into stage management a bit by accident. Um, In high school, I was part of drama club, as a lot of kids are, Mm -hmm. um, but never really thought of theater as a career because I thought, you know, I think a lot of uh, young people think when they think theater, they think acting. Mm -hmm. You don't really think about backstage uh, workers. Um, So, you know, I was in drama club and I did a couple shows when I was like, I don't really... I don't really know if I like this acting thing. Um, and then my drama teacher who ran the club was like, you'd make a really good stage manager. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and they were like, cool, stick in the club and I, stick with the club and I will kind of try to teach you. 
but it, it's obviously nothing like what a real stage manager does in real life. Um, right. It was a lot of like, I took attendance, I would do prompting, um, but it was a lot of like, I made sure the room was ready and then I made sure everyone was there. And, yeah, you're like the water I mean, boy it, of theater club. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. It was, but it was cool because I think I got an idea of how they sort of run rehearsals in yeah. a way that no one's supposed to notice you either, right? Right. So then I um, uh, I went to a theater school. Um, so I went to what was at the time Ryerson Theater School and is now Toronto Metropolitan University School of Performance. Sure. Or creative, whatever it's called now, not sure. A much different title. Yeah. Um, but I went to theater school. Um, and I had a steep learning curve because a lot of the kids who went to theater school knew a lot about production and stage management and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And I kind of didn't know anything other than, yes, I can turn on the lights in a room and be there when you need me to be. <laughs> um, but it was great. Like, I learned so much in theater school. Um, and I feel like if you want to have a backstage career, I think going to theater school is probably the best way to learn about things. I think... Mm. I don't think it's mandatory. I think a lot of people kind of fall into theater in many different ways, and mm-hmm. a lot of it is learning uh, hands-on experience, whether it's volunteering at a community theater or, you know, whatever, or falling into a friend show and helping a friend out, and suddenly you're like, oh, this is kind of great, and that's what you do, and you kind of, you're self-taught. Um, but I, I personally think that um, theater school is a really uh, excellent training ground, and you're not going to learn what it's like to work in a on a real production just because of the fact that you're in a school so you have to right. you have to deal with classes and you know specific schedules and stuff which you, you you wouldn't have to contend with um in the industry but i think you get a really good idea of how it works and you know you you get to apply those skills later on that you learn yeah um did you study uh like theater production or stage management specifically um so when I was at the theater school, they only had one stage management class. Right. That was it. Yeah, that was the same um, at Queens. When I feel I was like there. that's still pretty yeah. common in a lot of schools, right? Where yeah. they're like, here's yeah. stage management. And you're like, oh, one course. Yeah. So I had to sort of do, like in first year, we did kind of general overall production where you learned a lot about, um, a, a little bit about a lot of things, a lot of different aspects. And then you could kind of be like, oh, I like that. I'm going to try and focus on that. Um, and in second year, I did my stage management course. Um, and then after that, I did all these administration courses thinking like, yeah, that will really help me. But it's, administration is actually quite different from stage it management. It sure is. Yeah. It has, state, it has management in it, but, you know, your focus is so different. But I think the so more, I, yeah, the more holistic your like, learning experience in theater, especially, I think that it, it gives you appreciation for everyone's position and understanding of how those positions work. So I think if you, if you were to, like, narrow it directly down to stage management, then it may be... Like you would still have a, a scope of what people do, but I think if you're if you're having to do it, it, it it can I'm sure it's immensely helpful. Yeah, and as you said, right, you your job is to sort of make sure everyone is on the same page, including administration, right? Because hundred uh, percent, yeah. And and you're right, Marta. Like I think that like me going to lighting classes and sound classes, which admittedly I slept most mm-hmm. of the time in, <laughs> um, but you know, like when when I am in tech, in when I was a junior stage manager, just come you know learning about things and, and making my way through the through the years. Um, and, you know, I didn't have to wonder, like, what do you mean when you say source for yeah. light? You know, yeah. and what do you mean when you say 
we got to change that thing on that. Like, like I actually had an understanding of it already. So yeah, being, being well-rounded in your basic knowledge of how everybody does their job in theater, I think is so real. It's so important. And yeah. um, I know that TMU now they have an advanced stage management class. So you take a basic stage management class, which is what I think is the equivalent of what I take. And now they have an advanced stage management class as well, where you learn more and you can get more into the nitty gritty of what a stage manager actually does. And the only reason I know that is because I ended up teaching that course. Oh, so, yeah. excuse me. That was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a lot of, what did I not learn that I wish I'd learned? So, yeah. yeah so, then, so then once you leave school and you're like, I want to be a stage manager, um, mm-hmm. there is a process, unlike actors, where you kind of have to work up in the ranks, right? There's still a bit of a system where you apprentice first, right? So, yeah. And you've Correct. mentioned that, right? You mentioned apprentice. You mentioned the word assistant stage manager. And those and are then, different. And those are different. They are. So um, most prof- – in terms of working in, like, the bigger theater companies – um, in Canada and in the U.S., um, most professional stage managers are part of an association called Canadian Actors Equity Association. And in order to join this association, um, you have to apprentice. So right now you need six um, apprenticeship credits, which means you need to work on at least six shows where you get a credit for each show um, in order to then join the association. So you get... Um, so there's a process in place for training on the job. Mm-hmm, it's excellent. Right? Where... where the hope and the goal is that you are trained by the stage management team already on the show where you can learn and grow your skills in a low-risk position. Right. However, I mean, a lot of apprentices do end up being the assistant stage manager on the show. And what that means is they just have all the duties that a regular assistant would have, and the assistant is the person who is um, generally backstage running the props track, yeah. making sure all the costumes are happening, that sort of thing. So while the stage manager is the person who calls the show, does all the scheduling and rehearsal, um, the assistant is usually the person who's taking care of all of the actual physical um, components of the show in the rehearsal hall um, because they'll be the ones backstage, whereas myself as a calling stage manager is in a booth somewhere where no one can get me. Yeah. <laughs> and I can just focus on calling the show. So a lot of apprentices do end up doing ASM work, which is great sometimes. Um, But, I mean, people who are doing their first apprenticeship or second apprenticeship, it can be a little bit overwhelming because Mm -hmm. suddenly you're thrown into this position where, you know, you're expected to know, I think, more than some people do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I mean, um, it's a great way to learn about um, the career. Yeah, and I and I'm a you know I would assume that a a two hander play one act two hander play would be a bit of a different experience uh, for an apprentice or for any stage manager than say like a seventeen person two two and a half hour long musical. Oh yeah, like for that. sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Generally, the smaller the show, the smaller the SM team, as Marta as you um, mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, but like on operas, when I do operas, it's a team of four, at least four. Usually, there's a an SM two ASM one on either side of the stage and then an apprentice who kind of fills in all the blanks mm-hmm. and hopefully is able to do a lot more observing and learning rather than doing. Yeah. Um, so it's easier um, to find um, like the skills you need on a bigger show in a way mm-hmm. because you, there isn't as much responsibility put on the apprentice. Mm-hmm. In those a lot more observation. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can you can take the time to and there's lots to observe on a big show, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, I'm really interested, you know, because here at, at the Playhouse, we produce plays and we produce musicals. But you've mm-hmm. also done a lot of work with opera, which I imagine must be a completely, I mean, in some ways very similar, but also completely different because, you know, a, a musical have a book. So you'll have a script and then you have songs. But like an opera, it's just you have like large orchestral, you know, movements and you have sometimes ballet like it, it just yeah. in terms of working with the script and in terms of like calling a show like that how is that different than working with like a musical you know I'll say there's like I'm gonna say two but there might be three really big differences between an opera and a musical for me having worked in both um one is that just the amount of people involved mm. um like as you said with an opera there's usually like um dancers is usually so not just an ensemble dancing on stage but there's like a specific corps de ballet mm-hmm. who come in just to dance mm-hmm. they're not there to help sing you know they're not there to, to to move anything to move scenery they're there to dance um and then so that's one of the big differences there's just more people involved in an opera um um yes there's more music like it's some operas um Especially more modern operas now, there is a bit of script to okay. it as well. Um, but generally, yes, it's all music. Um, so I am calling off of a complete score and generally it's giant orchestra. Wow. And um, working with um, an orchestra is, uh, I, I would, when I first started, I would say it's daunting. But at the same time, now I know that it's like they kind of take care of themselves because right. they're a different union. Mm. So they do their own rehearsals elsewhere um and we don't really see them until like a, a zitz or a vondel probe right um at which point then it's sort of like okay now we all have to mesh and come together and who thinks who's the most important on this show right now <laughs> um because it is obviously an opera is all about the music right whereas a musical is about story i mean opera is yes still story but a musical there's acting involved and right. there's scenes where there is no song so so yeah, it's um, a musical is really a really good mix of so many genres, and then I think the third thing um, that's really different with operas and musicals is budget and ego. Mm. Um, there's a lot more ego in opera. Oh, interesting. Um, and I think that's just the culture of opera yeah, as well I... because it has such European roots, and yeah. um, they the culture of theater and art in Europe is so much more important than in North America. So mm. they kind of lend themselves to artists having egos. Um, whereas in musicals, when I do musicals, everyone's just out to have a good time. Yeah. Right? It's a like, bit highbrow, um, lowbrow kind of like musicals are, musicals are, wanna... musicals are like fun. Musicals yeah. are like fun and splashy and, and then operas are a bit serious. more like, I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing for sure, but. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Totally generalizing. I mean, I've had so much fun on operas as well. Yeah. You know, but there is something about, even I think to the average person on the street, when you say opera, what they think of versus musical. Right? Yeah, totally. Like musical, you think. Even the word. Commercial, fun, flashy. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. entertaining. And opera, you think, oh, I'm going to have to like appreciate. You think art. of the glasses. <laughs> yeah, that's what Marta thinks. The so opera glasses. The opera glasses. <laughs> Don't tell my best but friend really, who's an opera singer. I really do think that like opera is so beautiful. Having worked in opera now for fifteen years, I it I think that it it is accessible to the same people who go see musicals. All right. You just have to change your mindset when you would sit down in the audience. You just have to realize that like 
okay, it's just a different form of storytelling. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're still just trying to tell a story. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Which is what they're trying to do in Bitter Girl. <laughs> they're just telling a story. But with 60s music, with 60s, 60s tunes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Bitter Girl, so I, I think something that's really cool about Bitter Girl, obviously it's going to be a really fun time. There's lots of great music. But something that really stood out to me that I really loved was that it's almost a fully female creative team, including the entire stage management team, the director slash choreographer, assistant choreographer, music director, costume designer, lighting and set designers, and then an all-woman band as well, which I think is pretty pretty awesome. Like, how is that kind of like, as you're prepping to go into rehearsal and getting set with this, is it like, I don't know, is it something that kind of... um, is kind of cool in your mind or you're like, Oh, it's just another day. Or is it like kind of a cool opportunity to have a team that is, uh, I think in uh, other than the one actor who uh, plays man and, yeah, uh, the, one and the sound the designer, yeah. uh, everyone else is, 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 uh, is a woman. So it's really funny you say that Allison, because I actually didn't think about it until ah. you pointed it out. Yeah. Just this literally think, this moment. Yeah. Like it, I think it is super cool. Um, I was going to say that when I did Kelly versus Kelly, it was all female creative team as well, oh, but it amazing. wasn't. We had our music director was oh, okay. um, yeah. a male. <laughs> um, but but I think there's also, I mean, yes, it's amazing. I'm so excited to work with these, you know, wonderfully creative women. Um, but at the same time, I'm also like we, or at least myself, in the position that I am, being a uh, the people who are unseen, right? Um. I've never thought about um, my cultural makeup, my gender, anything like that with regards to being hired for a show. Right, because right. Um, no one sees us as stage managers. We're not supposed to be seen. Um, and then, you know, designers, as long as they are on top of their work and they give me the information I need, I'm like, cool, it was really great to work with you. So I don't really think of it in terms of, any of that. I yeah, guess, it's all you know, about the like, meritocracy, people, right? What can you bring? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, But it is really cool because it's like you pointed out and I was thinking like, oh, that doesn't happen often. Yeah. Not on purpose. It wasn't like it's like it's not a, not on purpose. It no, just other than like, I think the all female band, which yeah. is which is yeah. called for in the script, I think yeah. in terms of the yeah. creative it's team, just, it's kind of just the way it kind of happened. But and I thought, we have all but two all but two, right, of our shows this season are directed by women. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just sort of happened to be that way. But Just, yeah. it is sort of cool but for see, a show. Cool. Like, yeah. hearing that Hearing that all of them but two are directed by women, that strikes me as something that's striking. Well, it's actually, it's interesting you know? because it's every every director that was hired. Because um, Brett directed one show, our artistic yeah. director. Our managing artistic and then, director. And then Daniel Brooks, may he rest in peace, directed The Runner, which is, a, is like a, a, a show that's been packaged right so um it right. kind of came as one entity but anyone that was hired to to build a show for the playhouse this year that is the director is a woman yeah super cool. i mean i will say i will say noticing on kelly versus kelly when i did it um yeah. and who knows who's going to listen to this podcast from that show hi julia but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there was um i think there was a bit more cohesiveness cohesion with regards to how we spoke to each other in the room, you know, the time we took to talk about things. And I'm not saying that men don't listen to us. Am I? <laughs> but I that am was a long pause is- from the two hosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is 
potentially a difference in the way we treat um, the process in general. You know, like I think, um, I mean, if we want to get into the whole sociological aspect, I think there is a way in, in the fact that women um, do nurture more. We do take the time to notice each other more and to uphold and uplift and support each other more. Um, because we've also, you know, we've worked really hard to get to these mm-hmm positions of authority and responsibility. Right. Right. And I think that we we continue to notice that sort of um, that sort of structure when we're all in a room together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing when you do a room um, full of all people of the same cultural makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? There's a reason we have theaters that are only um, you know, Asian theaters mm-hmm. or, or a black theater companies, right? There's a difference walking into a room where everyone is the same versus a mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've noticed that for sure, walking into, like, working in a black theater company, I am, like, I don't think many people know, but I'm Chinese Jamaican, mm-hmm. so I grew up mm-hmm. with a West Indian culture. Mm-hmm. So walking into a room with all black actors and black director and designers is so different for me than working at, say, um, and I'm going to say, like, I worked at Soul Pepper for a very long time, right? Mm-hmm. Which is made up of mainly, at the time, it was uh, white um, actors and white people. Um, but there is there's a very big difference. I don't know if um, the room with all women in it is as much of a big difference because we're all still there. We've, we've always been, there's always been women in the room, right? right? It's just maybe not completely all women so yeah. and i mean this room again you said like our sound designer is male so mm-hmm. yep. it still won't be completely but but yeah i and mean Kevin. maybe after this process i'll have noticed because i'll be thinking about it more and i'll be like actively looking for the differences yeah um uh just quickly i know we we're calling you in from toronto because you are in prep week can mm-hmm. you just very briefly explain to our audience what that means and why you yeah, start probably. before everyone else yeah. does. Yeah, they haven't started rehearsals yet. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're not talking too much about Bitter Girl, because Kat hasn't barely started. Uh, but it'll be a great yeah. show. Um, yeah, so Prep Week is when the stage management team starts to get all of the information we need to start rehearsals. So we're getting prop lists, we're getting wardrobe information, I'm getting information on the space that we're going to rehearse in so that I can pass all of this information on to the actors. They know where to go, they know what time to be there, I'm creating schedules with the director, I'm having conversations with the director, you know, about what the show is like with the designers, about what we all think we want it to be, mm-hmm. that we're all on the same page going mm-hmm. into ourselves, so there isn't any wasted time of like, what? But you wanted that? I didn't know that, you know? Um, so it's a lot of just getting paperwork ready, getting everyone on the same page so that when we go in, it's, we can just sit down and start working. Right. Start running. Mm-hmm. Start the train running. Well, yeah, I think it's going to be super fun it's gonna be a super fun time in Gananoque which I know have you been ever I've never been to Gananoque <gasps> well so we usually normally you know, we do normally oh no you go I, I've i been as like a kid oh. there you my go. parents but not to the theater right but I've been in the Thousand Islands sure um, area, um, so we normally know. will do like a Gananoque shout out where we find out from the artists what they've enjoyed the most out of their time in Gananoque but you're not even here yet so maybe no. we'll just tell you what we've been enjoying in Gananoque. Sure. I would love that. And then maybe also what you're kind of looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, what yeah, arrive. what do you what what intel do you want about Gananoque before you get here? Like do you need to know where to get the best chicken wings or where to get where to 
I don't know, jump in the river? Where are the best French fries? French fries. Ooh. Oh, that, that is I a tough one. I do love a Greco's French fry. Greco's does have good French fries. Yeah, or the chip truck. There, are, the chip there truck. are also a few chip trucks in town that mm-hmm. always have quite a line on them because they have quite good French food. fries is something Gananoque can handle. Yeah, they do it very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't ask for a burrito, but... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, Laverne's actually has pretty good burritos. They have good oh, breakfast burritos. I've, oh, yeah. breakfast burritos. Yeah. Yes, definitely. With like brisket. It's very mm, good. Yeah. So I would oh, say burritos, Laverne's. Laverne's. And fries, Greco's, one of the chip trucks. Yeah. Uh, that would be my go-to. Those are the go-to's yeah. for sure. Amazing. I know. Of course, it always it always goes back to the food. Because what else do you need? What else What else yeah. could you want? Beautiful view. Beautiful sun. Beautiful snacks. Beautiful snacks. Yeah. And then you're good to go. Beautiful nice. company. With beautiful admin staff who exactly. you'll come to work with. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, anyways, like Kat, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with us. Because as you said, and we've been talking about, you're already working on the show. Um, for mm-hmm. our audience, uh, I hope that you're excited for Bitter Girl. It's going to be an incredibly fun time. So fun. So bring all of your, your girlfriends. And, you know, we got all the women on stage, all the women backstage. And let's have all the women in the audience, too, just having a great time. Um, nice. So thanks mm-hmm. so much, Kat. Thank you. As always, we want to express our special thanks to Mark Hunt for composing the Playhouse podcast music. Mm-hmm. This podcast is sponsored and produced by MyFM Gananoque. Thank you so much to Carrie and the MyFM team for all of your help with everything you do with recording and calling in, Zooming, all the things. For more ticket information, please visit us at ThousandMilesPlayhouse.com. And we'll see you, see you at, at the, the theater. theater.